Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode, we talk about coaching the running back, and we'll focus even a little bit on some different read schemes and how to read different runs. And joining us to discuss that, former NFL coach, former college coach, now doing some great things in coaching coaches, David Walker. Coach, it's great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Appreciate the let me uh, join uh, join the episode. Coach, we definitely want to get into some of the stuff that you're doing uh, to help running backs coaches right now and help them you know, better serve their players. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to share a little bit about your background in the game and you know, starting back with, you know, for you, I know it was a, a great career at Syracuse, uh, had a little bit of an opportunity in the NFL, and, and then you got into coaching. But you know, before you became a coach, what was it that made you think, you might want to continue in football as a football coach when your playing days were over. Well, you know, I, I was influenced by a lot of great men, um, a lot of great coaches as I was growing up, whether it was youth football into high school uh, and then through college. So I, I kind of knew when I got to college um, and experienced some of the coaching that I had there that I'd like to be able to give back. So my, my, my thought always was I'm going to be an educator. I'm going to be a teacher and a coach. And that way I can work with the normal students and I can work with the athletes. So, you know, that's what my mindset was uh, as a young adult. And, uh, you know, like, like life happens and different things go, you try to continue to play. It didn't work out and uh, was able to, to, to get my first job um, coaching job, working with a former high school legend, Walt Frazier down at uh, Carroll city high school in 1994 and uh, I learned in one year from Walt Frazier so many different things about coaching and dealing with people and leadership and, you know, the, the list goes on and on. And uh, I've just been fortunate from there to just kind of run with it, have some opportunities present themselves to me, take advantage of them. And, uh, you know, now I look back, you know, 25 to 30 years later uh, and say, you know, it was a, it was a pretty good run. Um you know, like I said, I've had an opportunity to work with some really, really good offensive minds and some really, really good defensive minds. And it's it's kind of shaped who I am as a coach and how I look at things and, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, 
you know, and how I try to present and teach information to young men. We talk about how it's shaped you as a coach. Um, coach, t- tell us a little bit about your philosophy of coaching and what you really believes, believe makes a successful coach. I, I would think, you know, the one thing that comes to mind is just the ability to communicate, number one, and that's to receive communication and to be able to communicate with your players uh, and with your fellow coaches. Um, you know, you, you've got to be able to, to address kids differently because, you know, kid A in the room may hear it differently than kid B in the room. Um, and so you have to have a lot of different ways you communicate the same thing to kids to get them to understand what you're trying to coach or what you're trying to teach. The other thing that I think is, is true about the coaching profession is it's not fair. Uh, and players, you have to let the players know that, you know, all the things that we do aren't fair. Um, you know, one guy might get a little bit more leniency. One guy might be a little bit stricter too. You know, I'll have my different reasons why. Here, here, here would be a good example. When you're a college coach, you have two players. Um, one player is an, uh, a B plus student, and one player is a C minus student. And if my B plus student missed a class, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. If my C minus student missed a class, we're probably going to be doing some extra stuff in the morning in terms of conditioning or whatnot. So. You know, coach, that's not fair. I said, you know, you know what, you're you're right. It's not fair, but it's it is what it is, and you deal with each situation the way it comes. So, I think those two things really, for me, is the ability to communicate and to understand that in this profession, it's not fair. Um, there's going to be things that happen to players. There's going to be things that there, there's going to be injuries that happen to your best, hardest working player. Well, that's not fair. Well, you're right, it's not, but it happened. Or you know, uh, the bounce of the ball is not going to go your way on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon or whatever it may be. So once I realized those two things and kind of, you know, let those be kind of part of my fiber and how I do things and how I communicate and, and, and how I look at things, that's made my, my life as a coach a lot easier. Coach, moving on, you've you've moved away from the game now, uh, but your work continues, and you're coaching. You're just coaching coaches right now. Uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you've developed and and the mission of of what you're doing right now. Yeah, so um, you know, I made the decision a couple of years ago after the 2018 season to to step away um, from coaching. I was working with the Detroit Lions at the time. And uh, I just need to be more present in my in my family's life, my, their day-to-day lives. And so I made that decision. And uh, what I what I you know started and and developed over some time here is is putting together basically a, a platform where coaches can go and try to grow in the profession. So I was you know on a Zoom call with some high school coaches. Uh, and uh, over, you know, it's beginning of March, so it's, you know, right at the beginning of the the uh, pandemic, and my youngest son is home from college, and uh, he's kind of semi-listening into the Zoom call that I'm on with some of these high school coaches, and he's semi-paying attention to whatever he was watching on TV or whatnot, and when we finish the Zoom call, he says, you've got something there, and I said, what do you mean? He says, you've got these coaches, you know, and, and you're talking and you're giving your expertise to these guys 
and uh, I said, you, you've got a business opportunity here. And I was like, well, I'm just, you know, they're my guys, and I'm just trying to help them out a little bit. So he hemmed and hauled all over the weekend and basically started putting together a website for me. And that's how Third and Three started and originated was just my son, really, to be honest with you, overhearing me on a call and then him kind of running with it and forcing me to, you know, I've been I've been fortunate in this profession. Um, he's, he's forced me to kind of use my gift and share it with other coaches. So we've developed an online platform. Um, we do clinics and have videos on all positions, all different topics. Uh, examples would be, um, you know, we do I, I do a lot of stuff running back specific. Uh, but we also will have quarterback coaches come on and present information, defensive line coaches, linebacker coaches, whatnot. So every position we cover, special teams, and it's it's a way to network. It's a way to grow in the profession, um, and it's a way to practice coaching. You know, for for guys. You know, uh, so w- what we're trying to get done with Third and Three is we're trying to be the most comprehensive online learning platform that's out there, and. Uh, so far, I think we've we've got a nice little following, and I think the guys that have been on the calls and, and part of the clinics would all say they've grown from their experience. I think what's what's unique with this coach is uh, the live aspect of this, and you know that that certainly works for uh, some people, and so you're going to get those guys in for the live clinics. But uh, what I like about what you're doing is you've also made this available for those guys who can't attend and. I know one of the things right now, the, the work you've done, I was able to look at it the other day, was you put your course, Developing the Complete Running Back, on CoachTube, and I thought it, it was uh, a very unique look at it. Now, I would say it's not um, you know, going through in the, the, the basics of things, but it's showing. You, know, you show a drill, and then you show that happen in the game, and uh, you move through it pretty quickly, so you, you cover a number of things. But uh, that whole idea of developing – that every down back and you shared that with, with the whole coaching community on coach tour. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, and there's, and there's levels too. Like you said, uh, I kind of go through it quickly. Um, it's really, uh, I would say not a basic level tape. It's more of an advanced or master's level tape. You know, you've got to have some sort of background, um, understanding of, of, of the position. And, and then once you go through that, I think it really highlights and enlightens you on a lot of different things. There's so much more than just drills that you can do with the running back position. Um, drills are nice. Everybody's going to have their set of drills that they work, but it's, it's teaching a back how to play the position, um, teaching him what to look at while he's, while he's out on the field teaching him all the skills that he's going to need to be successful because there's really, I look at the running back position. There's really four components of it. There's running the football. There's blocking for the football, whether that's run or pass, there's receiving the football, and then there's protecting the football and giving them a blueprint to handle those four things and have your drill work and your coaching points and your teaching methods that are focused on those things, you know, that's, that's part of how you, how you develop that position. Um, and you get guys to play at a high level at that position. Coach, I love the, the, the one thing you talked about, uh, in that course was the, you know, the accountability that running back 
that if the offensive line is blocking it up for four, he he owes them more than four, right? That that uh, that guy is responsible and should be good enough, trained up enough, developed enough that whatever they're giving him, he's able to do more with it. That's that's exactly right. Um, to me, it's the you know I look at it this way: it's the running back's job to make the offensive line right, not the other way around. I think I think other people would disagree with that statement, but that's the mindset um, that you have to have when you coach that position um, and when you play that position. And and like you said, if if we're doing a good job and all you can consistently do is get the ball where the line or the receivers blocked you to get, then you haven't done anything on your own. And uh, at that position, you've got to have guys that can create their own yards. And uh, so, so that's one thing I, I preach when I, when I talk to guys, it's, it's your production, but that production sometimes could be skewed, you know, you know, is, are you productive and you're creating your own yards and you're causing missed tackles? Well, then, then, then you're going to keep playing. If you're productive in terms of maybe yards per carry, but you haven't caused any missed tackles and you haven't created your own yards, those, those are kind of misleading stats to me. So you got to be able to dive in and see what a guy is actually doing more than just the numbers. Coach, getting into a, another area of this, and I said it was kind of one of the things we would focus on today, reading different schemes. And I had mentioned to you uh, in particular when I was learning uh, the zone running game, inside and outside zone, uh, I had asked this particular coach, what's you know the best for training the back in this? He's like, well, he can't do it. Go to the next one. And, <laughs> you know, that didn't sit well with me. And I know it was kind of tongue-in-cheek for him um, in, in the way he talked about it. But uh, the truth is, you know, these guys, a lot of times, and it's kind of shifted since, since, you know, that was some time ago when the – there was all those tailback-focused offenses. Now the quarterback is just as dynamic and usually have two two major weapons back there. But um, he's still going to get those 20 touches a game. We're still giving him the ball quite a bit. Uh, his training is critical to the success of the team. That, you know, it, it, yes, we need him to be an athlete. We need him to have all those, those tangible uh, physical skills that are developed uh, along the way. Um, but there, there is the technical aspect that relates directly to the schemes. Uh, you know, f- for you, as you look at that, what's the responsibility of the coach in training that elite athlete up? Yep. I'll, I'll start off this way. I think you need to be able to define to the running back size what a zone scheme is, what a gap scheme is, what a lead scheme is and what a pin and pull scheme is. Um, and, and once again, I think you got to look at it through the running back size, not necessarily the offensive line coach's eyes. And then once you do that, so I'll give you an example of what I mean. <clears throat> so when I'm coaching up a zone scheme, a zone scheme means to me that we have front side linemen accountable for the play side linebacker position. So I don't care what run we're talking about. If we've got a front side lineman, accountable for the play side linebacker position that's going to fall into the zone world for me take it a step further and say okay now we've got a backside lineman responsible for the play side linebacker to me that's a gap scheme 
because we're going to block back on the front side. We're going to take a puller from the back side of the play. If you just think of power for a second, you're going to take a puller from the back side and you're going to put him on the front side linebacker position. So to me, that's a different scheme that falls into the gap world for me. When we start talking lead schemes, then we're going to take a lead blocker, whether it's the fullback on isolation, whether it's the tight end on lead draw, but we're going to have a lead blocker responsible. When I say a lead blocker, a tight end and or fullback responsible for that play side linebacker position. And then when we start talking pin and pulls, we're going to be blocking down on the outside and we're going to pull front side linemen to the perimeter to try to get the ball around the edge. So to me, each scheme is very different. And once the players are able to understand what the scheme is, then we build in the teaching of what your rules are and what your reads are based on the scheme. So I, I really think it's important you start to you you coach up scheme specific, not play specific, when you start talking running backs and what their what their reads are. And you and I had talked about this before we got going. Uh, your favorite play to coach. I know you like the gap schemes because they're downhill. They're an attitude run. Uh, Coach, talk to us a little bit about the read that you teach and and, uh, take us through what you want that guy to see as you're running your gap schemes. Yep. So once again, and you you hit it on the head, Um, you know, the the gap scheme runs are attitude plays. I think they're important to an offense to to set the tone from a physicality uh, physicality standpoint. Um, It allows you to create a double team at the point of attack. Um, and allows you to bring a puller um, from the backside. So there, there's two different ways um, I would coach this scheme up based on if I'm coaching a, let's say, a, a less experienced back, and then if I'm coaching a more experienced back. So there's, to me, there's really two ways to coach this play. The first way or the, the, the least experienced guy would really be coached off hugging the down block on the front side. So if, if we've got a, a three technique in the defense and, and we're working a deuce block with the guard and tackle, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're cutting the defense off when we have the outside edge of the deuce block, which would be the tackle as he blocks down on the three technique and works up to the backside backer. So that's where we're trying to divide the defense. So I've got to be on the front side of that divide as tight as I can be. So I talk about hugging the down block and it's really hugging the down block of the combination. So if it's a three technique, it would be the tackles down block. If it's a five technique, and let's say we're running two back power to under defense, and we've got the tight end tackle working the trade block on the five technique to the backside linebacker, then it would eventually be hugging that tight end down block. So I'm always going to put the ball on the outside of the, the, the wall we're creating. And then as I work through, I'm going to find my puller and I'm going to read his hat at the second level. I'm a, I'm a big guy in terms of reading the helmet of your blocker. So if the helmet of my blocker gets on the right side, that's where my escape is. If the helmet of my blocker gets on the left side of the defender, that's where my escape is. So when I say read the helmet uh, or the hat of uh, the hat of the puller, that's what I mean. So, you know, entry level, inexperienced running back, we're working tight downhill through our landmark, whether we're telling them the landmark is the inside hip of the guard, whether we're telling the landmark is the A-gap, whether we're telling the landmark is the butt of the guard, that's irrelevant. 
But as I work downhill through that landmark, I'm looking to get on the outside edge of the combination block. And once I get on the outside edge of the combination block, I'm picking up my puller and I'm going to read his block at the second level. So, so that would be the, the um, let's call it level 101 coaching that I would give a, give a back on, on, on gap schemes. Now, when, when you got a guy that really knows how to run a gap scheme and you can expand his mind a little bit, then you start take, bringing in the backside linebackers part of the read. So now when you have an experienced guy, what I would do is I would have him start his eyes on the backside linebacker or the linebacker that the combination is going to. So if we're deucing to the will, then my eyes are going to start on the will. If we're training to the will, they're going to start on the will. And I'm just going to play the game. Eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten, that backside linebacker stays behind the combination block. But every once in a while, that backside linebacker reads the, the light hand of the guard in front of him. He knows the guard's about to pull. He knows what's coming. And then now he tries to beat the combination block over top of their block. So when we have that situation, if I got my eyes on that backside linebacker and he tries to what I term fast flow or get over top of the combination block, then that's where the ball comes inside the combination block. Um, and we take advantage of not letting that linebacker be right. So the, the whole key is to not let the backside linebacker be right on a gap scheme run when we get to the advanced level. Um, and, and, and at that point, we get our eyes started on him. He stays backside. Then my eyes, once again, hug the outside edge of the down block, read my, my puller's head front side. I'm teaching it, the advanced guy. We're downhill through our landmark. Oh, that backside linebacker felt the pull. He's trying to run over the top. Then that's when the ball goes inside the combination block and just replaces the gap that guy vacated. So to me, there's a couple different ways you coach it. Um, you've got to be able to coach it and know who you're coaching, so to speak. And some guys can handle that second level, what I would call a 505 coaching. Some guys can't. Um, and then I just let them do what they do. Um, but but that's that's my talk. I'll say this, too, on the gap scheme runs. I'll just I'll get this point across. Once again, guys may agree or disagree. But when you run a gap scheme run, just telling the back that it's an A to A run, A gap to A gap run, I think is doing a disservice. And the reason I think it's doing a disservice is, once again, let's just talk about one back power for argument's sake. And let's block it up versus a four-two box. So we've got a three technique to the tight end side. We've got a, a one technique on the back side. We've got two inside linebackers and two defensive ends over the weak tackle and the tight end. If I'm running this football play and we just tell the guy A-gap to A-gap, if I run downhill and go on the front side A-gap and we've got a combination block that's happening in the B-gap with a tackle and a guard, the backside linebacker should run downhill and hit me unblocked in the A-gap if the ball goes in the A-gap. The backside A-gap is covered because we've got a center blocking back on the nose who's occupying the backside A-gap. So, so once again, to just say to a kid, it's A-gap to A-gap, to me, is misleading. The ball is going to start downhill through a landmark on the field, but the ball is ultimately going to end up outside the tackle in the C-gap with the run. And so just, just the teaching method that you use and the communication that you use for backs is very, very important. 
Um, and that's just one example of, of, of what I mean. I, you know, I hear guys talk about it's a gap, a gap when I coach power, I did they, and I, I just, you know, I said, okay, that that's fine. I said, um, if, if when, when we're talking about a blitz, okay, let me ask you this. If we're talking about a blitz and the blitzer comes outside the tackle. Is that an a gap blitz? Oh no, he's in the C gap. I said, well, what about power when the ball ends up outside the tackle, even though it's over the alignment of the ball, is that not the C gap still? You know, so just just different ways to to look at um, gap scheme runs and the different things you can say to a kid um, in terms of your coaching to really get them in the right areas with the football. I I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's a a lot of what we talk about in in our, our coach speak that makes a lot of sense to us. But, you know, we're, we're training guys who aren't necessarily coaches. And so we have to be very descriptive and. You know, if, if the same thing as we look at when you and I, before we got going, we're talking about the outside zone a little bit, right? That play, big time distortion of the defense. Those gaps are moving, you know, immediately based on what's happening on, on the offensive line, based on, you know, the, the, the threat of that back hitting the perimeter. Uh, the defense is starting to move. And, you know, we always talk about, Oh, you know, you, you hear coaches in clinics. Well, it's, we're going to, you know, we're going to, uh, you um, bang it, Move we're going to bend it, yeah. we're going to bounce, you yeah. know, all those different things. And when in reality, especially when you look at what they, they cause, uh, you know, a, a, we're all, we're going to bend it back. Well, especially like on the outside zone, that thing truthfully isn't bending back. Now it may, you know, physically look like it went behind the center, but if you follow right. that point on the field, and I used to do this no. when we were teaching our backs, is I would put a mark on, on, uh, on the on the the video, and say I want you to watch where this is. I'm going to keep it in that same place as I move through these frames, and that thing is actually outside of where their aim point was, even though it went behind the center. So it's not not truly a cutback. And so if you teach it in terms of oh, you're going to cut that back. You know that that means a little bit something to uh, especially an unseasoned back, right? And he's he's cutting right. back into guys who are coming right at him. So again, I think yeah. it's back to what you said—the language that we use. Yeah, I, I, and here's 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 the thing too when you're when you're starting to talk about zones, whether it's an outside zone, and and really when you're talking about gap schemes, um, the ball is going to go in one of three areas. As, as simple as that sounds, and it's it's going to be based off the defensive movement or reaction. So if we're talking outside zone, the football, when you watch your film or watch anybody else's film, the football does one of three things. The football bounces around the defense because the defense lost contain or lost leverage. The ball, what I use the term, stays on the angle. So whatever landmark we told you to run at, you run at that landmark. And the outside edge of the defense stretched beyond that landmark and the inside portion of the defense got cut off on that landmark and you're able to run a straight line through the second level or the ball cuts up like you were just about to talk about. It doesn't cut back on outside zone. It cuts up It's one foot in the ground and it's a vertical cut. So when you start talking outside zone and watch your film, the ball does one of three things. It bounces, it stays on its angle or it cuts up. Now take that same thought process and start talking about an inside zone. When you run an inside zone, the ball does one of three things. The ball is going to press through its landmark and stay on its landmark. And, and I really don't say it's staying on the angle because you're, 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 it's a different little pass, but the ball is going to 
work its way straight through its landmark through the defense and be in front of the front side linebacker. Or the ball is going to bend back and the ball is going to end up being in between the two linebackers because the front side linebacker is going to go fast. The backside linebacker is going to be slow and the ball is going to split the defense. And then the third thing the ball is going to do is the ball is going to find its way all the way out the back door. It's like what I like to say, because you get both linebackers to fast flow, they overflow, and then the ball ends up bending back and, and gets out the back door. So once again, when you study your film, the ball is going to do one of three things when you're running an outside zone. It's going to do and end up in one of three places when you run an inside zone. It's going to end up in front of the play side linebacker. It's going to end up splitting the linebackers, or it's going to be behind the backside linebacker. And once again, just watch your film. And then once you understand why, the, the big key is understanding why the ball is going somewhere. And then you turn around and you coach it to your ball carrier. Um, and then and the same thing, you, you start talking gap scheme runs. The ball is going to end up in front of the combination block the majority of the time. Every once in a while, it's going to end up behind the combination block because that backside linebacker is going to see the pull and try to beat it over the top. And then once again, a small percentage of times, you get a combination block on a three technique, and that three technique is rooted out of the B gap. So he's supposed to be in the B gap, and a tackle shoved his ass all the way in the A gap, and now sometimes the ball ends up splitting the combination blocks. But when you when you when you watch your film or watch anybody's film on those blocking schemes, that's where the football goes. And then it's just turning around and training the running back to understand when this happens, this is where the ball goes, and put you put together your progression from there. Coach, in, in shifting gears here a little bit, thinking about the, the work, you know, when you were you were coaching the game, whether that was at the, the college level or at, in the NFL, um, got a lot of guys out there who are position coaches, uh, you know, some running back coaches, I'm sure, uh, listening to this. Your role in, in helping with uh, the game plan, right? And, and especially thinking of maybe our younger guys who are, are getting into the game, what things can they do to best help um, not only uh, be looking for certain things in the game plan that's going to help, you know, with, with the running game, um, but then being able to translate, here's, here's the game plan, guys, you know, when we're in our position room or when we're out on the field uh, so that there's that success on game day. What kind of role did you take as a coach? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot that goes into that. Um, number one would be, you know, based on what your, your offense is, you're going to, you're going to run your offensive system. So, you know, once again, if we're talking lower level guys, they're, they're going to run their system because they're really not seeing film. You know, if I'm a middle school coach or a youth coach, I don't have a week of seeing film on a team and I can game plan them, so to speak. But what I would say is your game day management of, making sure you have a few answers based on defensive generated problems if we're looking at it from an offensive perspective. So what do I mean by that? Have the ability within your offense to have perimeter runs and interior runs and maybe one or two different blocking schemes. So if a defense is giving you hell inside, you have an answer to try to get the ball on the perimeter doing something. Or if um, you're trying to pass the ball, you can have, uh, and, they're, and they're taking away all your boundary throws, right? At the lower level, there's, there's two places on the field 
where the ball ends up finding itself. It ends up finding itself thrown to the to the boundary flat area and it and thrown to the field. I'm going to call it hook area, but that hook area is going to also extend behind the line of scrimmage with bubble throws. I've, I've watched enough youth football to see the ball thrown into the boundary on hitches and seen the ball thrown either to hitches on the on, on by number two or to throw bubbles. And to me, you've got to be able to, if you're going to do that, you have to have an answer then when they take that away. So if you want to live on just throwing the ball into the boundary and throwing hitches, because that's what your quarterback can do, the minute they play cloud into the boundary, now what's your answer? So my point is having the ability to have answers within your system um, at the lower levels is really, really important because you've got to manage that throughout the game. Now, as you get to the high school level and the collegiate level and the professional level where you're, you're scouting your opponent, you're seeing their film, you're understanding their tendencies, the checklist I would go through is, number one, what is the front they play? What's their number one front? So I got to know how we're attacking their number one front. We've got to be able to attack their run support system. So, you know, are they a quarters team? Are they a, a, a middle of the field closed team? Um, what is their run support structure? And then what is their, what are their chaos calls? Are they a big movement team with their line? Are they a big blitz team? Um, so understand the front, understand the run support structure, and then how do they cause chaos within their system in the run game? And then to me, you put your plan together from there. Um, are their defensive ends and their defensive line coached as two gap guys, or are they penetrating up the field guys? Um, on the edge, when we take our tackle and we inside release, whether it's zone away or whether it's uh, gap scheme two, how does the defensive end play? Are they are a team that's going to be upfield with their defensive ends? Are they a team that's going to scrape real hard and try to spill everything? I think those things you need to know. Um, how do their linebackers play just in general? How is the linebacker coach coaching their linebackers? Are they a downhill team and they're going to be able to take double teams off quickly because they're going to get downhill? Or are they a team that's going to kind of flow and it's going to allow us to stay on the double teams a little bit longer because their linebackers play at the second level and stay four to five yards? Um, those are, once again, those are some of the, the, the things that would be looked at to figure out, okay, now how can we attack this team? And then also, what is our answer when they take something away? So what can we get to next? And And that's to me how you – work through your game plan think 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 of your game plan have a few plays put into your game plan that could be construed as halftime adjustments and my my when i say that i mean don't wait until you get into the game and they've taken something away and then you go in the locker room at halftime and then you come up with the solution to me that's part of the work week is putting plan in place and then putting your contingencies also in place so you can practice them. And those are like your halftime adjustments that you already have built into the system so you can practice them. I think that's important as well. So I think there's two trains of thoughts based on um, what level I'm coaching at or what type of preparation I'm able to get through the week. But the answer is have enough offense where if the defense is able to take away something, you can get to something else, not just have uh, an offense constructed where you don't have answers for they played a hard corner into the boundary, or you don't have an answer for 
um, they're going to they're going to pressure us from the field and bring uh, outside linebacker pressure the whole game, and we really don't have an answer for that. Or hey, they 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 got into a um, uh, a goal line defense, and they're going to play with two a gap tackles, and they're going to put their their ends in in the b gap, and they're going to take away the middle run game, and now we don't have an answer to get to something. We're a big, you know, veer team, or we're a big uh, zone team, and they said, screw it, we're going to kind of put a whole bunch of bodies in there. Now, what do we get to? So it's it's just coming up with answers, and then you know, understanding what the defense is trying to do to you. And I believe having your contingencies throughout the week, don't wait till halftime to make all your adjustments. Coach, in in finishing things up today, uh, when you look at all the things you do as a coach, on or off the field, what's the one thing that you do as a coach that really gives your guys the winning edge? Um, Wow. Um, I, I think, I think having your guys prepared. And when you talk about having the winning edge, being efficient in what you do with the guys so you can cover a lot of different things is important. Being able to show guys what's important. You know, there's a lot of things we can discuss and talk about and a lot of film we can show, but, but doing the, the, the prep work to be efficient in what you're showing them, um, how you're communicating with them. Um, I think that helps give you a winning edge. I think it's all in your preparation. The, the winning edge happens Monday through Thursday. If you're a high school coach, and, and, and Tuesday through, you know, Tuesday through Friday, or Friday if you're a college coach, and it happens Wednesday through se- uh, Saturday if you're a pro coach. So that's that's where you develop the winning edge for your players. And then what they do when, when they go out there on Sunday or Saturday or Friday night, they do. Um, so to me, I think your preparation throughout the course of the week, your process that you put in place, that's where the winning edge is developed. Coach, you're doing a lot of great stuff. If you would please uh, share – your information where guys can can find uh, your third and three and uh, all the things that you're doing. Okay, well um, the the website, like you mentioned, is thirdandthree.com, um, and there you can you can find the information for our upcoming clinics that we have, and uh, there's also a, a large video library where uh, a guy can come and can sort a position and and look at stuff, and and we try to do a lot of relevant stuff. The other thing that's a little bit unique, um, I'll plug this. Another thing that's a little bit unique about what we do with our clinics and then what you see on the video is they're interactive. And we usually try to have um, both sides of the ball represented on talks. And that way you get a, a good banter back and forth about things. So we might have a discussion on wide receivers, um, you know, route concepts, but we have some defensive back coaches on the call as well. And then I'm a wide receiver coach. I'm listening to this, presenta- uh, this presentation, but I'm also learning from how a defense sees what we're doing. And I think that's important, um, the, the back and forth between both sides of the ball. So 33.com, a lot of information there. Um, there's a 33 uh, Twitter handle. Uh, my uh, individual Twitter handle is at CoachWalk33. Um, and then we're uh, on Facebook at 33 football uh, as well. So a lot of different ways you can, you can find out what we're doing uh, in the social media world. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and coaches. I will share his, uh, his link to his coach tube course in our show notes as well. Uh, but coach, keep up the great work and uh, would certainly love to have you back on the podcast again. Okay. I, I appreciate it. This was, this was great and uh, would love to come back and share some more. 
Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.